Welcome to the Holly Springs Deep Dive Podcast. It's election season, and you know how much I love talking to candidates, so you can make a well-informed decision when you cast your ballot. This week, I'm releasing interviews with candidates for the North Carolina Senate District 17 seat. The incumbent is Sydney Batch, and the challenger is Mark Cavallaro. The show notes for each candidate's episode include all of their campaign pages, as well as links to their campaign finance reports. Early voting starts on Thursday, October 20th through Saturday, November 5th. The Hunt Center in Holly Springs is one of the early voting locations. A link to check your registration status, find out where your polling place is, and view your sample ballot is readytovote.com and is listed in the show notes. You can register to vote in person during early voting, in person at the elections office, online through the DMV, or by mail. The deadline for all but registering during early voting is October 14th. You can request an absentee ballot as late as November 1st. I'll share a link helping you with all of that as well. Before we get started, if you're enjoying this podcast, consider becoming a supporter by clicking the Patreon link on my website, hollyspringsdeepdive.com. This podcast is free to listen to, but it's not free to make. In this episode, you'll hear from Senator Sidney Batch. Let's dive in. Um, welcome to the show again, Senator Sidney Batch. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be back. Yeah, I know that you're really busy because it's, you know, getting down to the wire with election season. So I, I absolutely appreciate you talking to me tonight. How have you been? I've been all right, you know, trying to juggle 50 balls in the air, half of them are on fire. Uh, but we we are making it. We're in the final days of the election cycle. So I'll be happy when November 9th in the morning is here. I bet. I bet. So the last time we talked on this podcast, you were running for North Carolina House seat. And now I'm talking to you as the incumbent uh, North Carolina senator for our area. What happened? Yeah. As they always say, when one, you know, when a door closes, a window opens. So I actually lost the election in November of 20. And then um, shortly thereafter, Senator Sam Searcy, who was the um, senator at the time in District 17, Mm -hmm. uh, stepped down. And Mm -hmm. he had a a lot going on with regards to um, his business and a number of other issues. Uh, And so he uh, stepped down and I went ahead and asked to, of course, fill his vacancy. So I actually was sworn in um, on the same day that everybody else was sworn in in January. So as quickly as I was out of politics, I was right back in. I was going to say, what was that? What was it about two months? A little less than two months. Yeah, a little less than two months, right. So were you like going through mourning for that two months or were you thinking, look at all the things I can do? Yeah. Probably some of both. Right. Um, So it's interesting because I think, you know, when we last talked, I mean, we talked about the fact that I, um, you know, had diagnosed with breast cancer and and Mm -hmm. went through treatment and whatnot because i was diagnosed at such a young age interestingly enough it has given me perspective that i don't think that i would have had had i been diagnosed later on and so you know i when people called me and said oh my gosh i'm so sad and they were crying and i said haven't dropped a tear for this race i said i am alive it's not cancer i am not gonna die I mean, the legislature is a great place where you can serve and you can do a lot of great work, but you don't have to be in the legislature in order to be able to make positive and effective changes. And so I always, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, is it cancer? No. Okay. 
Uh, so was I disappointed? Absolutely. But I also think that there's a lot of perspective that's put in place when you have something as serious happen uh, to me happen. And so I, I told somebody, I said, I didn't, uh, I only cried twice with regards to my cancer diagnosis and I didn't drop a tear for this race. It doesn't deserve more than what cancer got. And I kept it moving. And then shortly thereafter, amazingly, uh, ended up in the Senate, which I'm really happy to be there. I would say that there are very few things that could hit that bar and, you know, be worse than cancer yeah. um, to uh, to compare things to. So that that's a great way to think about things. I tell you that that's really good. Mm-hmm. So how is it different for you serving in the Senate versus what it was like when you served in the House? It's it's uh, a great question. It's actually besides different. there being fewer fewer people, <laughs> fewer, right? Yeah, significantly fewer people. Half as, yeah, um, half as many. So I think so. The benefit to being in the Senate is outside of the fact that there are fewer people. The schedule is completely different. Um, is we it? have had yeah, we it's night and day. So you know, Representative von Hafen and I would see each other all the time. We would be at all of these things together. Now that I'm in the Senate, I have to make an effort to go and see my house colleagues because we have different sessions, different committee structures, and the Senate just runs a really tight ship. I give people the example and analogy of in the house, it's, um, you know, ask for forgiveness rather than permission. And in the Senate, it's, you better ask for some permission. We mm-hmm. get, it's a tight ship, both in, in the Republicans and the, and the Democratic caucus, um, we haven't been in session probably past 7.30, and that's only a couple times. Debate does not go very long. Um, they actually have a uh, meter that they hand out to the person who's been talking for too long to encourage them to stop talking. Um, so it's a very different culture than in the House, which, of course, has obviously more than twice uh, the number of members. A lot of people want to be heard, and their mm-hmm. sessions can still go on until 3 a.m. You know, we, we were in session at the end of 20... Um, in 20 at 3 a.m. in one of the last days. Oh my days goodness. It doesn't happen in the Senate. So that's I asking a lot. It is asking a lot. So I get to see my kids more, which is great. And I yeah. get to be home for dinner more and God forbid, actually work at my law firm and, and pull my weight, um, given the <laughs> fact that, you know, we can have a much better, uh, more efficient structure. Mm-hmm. So what committees are you on? Uh, so the main committees that I serve on that actually has the most activities right now um, are commerce. And then I also uh, serve on higher education and then in elections. So it's been really uh, interesting and fun. I also serve on the joint legislative uh, committee for ethics. So when there are ethics complaints that come in regarding members, um, I'm on that committee as well. And, so, and then um, there are other non-standing committees that I've been involved in in the Senate. I basically, because I was filling a vacancy for Senator Searcy, I ended up receiving the previous His appointments. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you think the, the most important issues uh, that you're going to face if you uh, are reelected uh, in the Senate next couple yeah. of years? So I think... Right now, especially um, in our state, people are worried about inflation and the cost of living, especially in Wake County. Very few people know that Wake County is recently was an article saying that Wake County is the second least affordable place to purchase a home in the entire country. I believe it. (laughs) Average salary. Right. And then based on um, average salary and the average price of homes, 
it's almost impossible for people to work where they live and live the way they work unless they have six figure jobs. And so home ownership is becoming really difficult for the vast majority of people. And we know home ownership is the one area in which people build their wealth and are able to pass something down to their children. And so we are, we have a growing chasm of the haves and the have nots, and we have to really work on ways in which we can promote um, those who of course are public servants every single day serving in our communities, our educators, um, our police officers, our firefighters, ways to get into home ownership. And so I think that's one of the challenges. I filed some bills this session. They didn't move with regards to that. That would actually help for down payment assistance with teachers, firefighters, law enforcement officers, et cetera. Um, and so we really have to work on trying to make sure that we are keeping up with the cost of living and with inflation. Um, you know, there are some things in the state that we can do in order to put more money in people's pockets. So I was uh, proud to vote for the budget, which actually was the largest tax cut in North Carolina history. And so people now have more money in their pockets, especially at a time when there's such a great need, uh, then people have more money uh, to be able to spend on the necessities, right? Mm-hmm. It's really expensive when you go to just, the just go into the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and imagine how that is for people who are struggling uh, that who are not as well off. So I think inflation um, is going to be an issue. I also think that we just see the long term effects of learning loss with our children and how we're going to have an education system that is going to be effective for every single child, not just those in counties like Wake County, where the county commission can supplement the income that comes from the state. Uh, so we really have to fix the fact that there we have vacancies in our public schools for teachers. Um, we have kids who are not doing as well. Um, and we really need to invest more money in our public schools. And then I'd also say, with you know, the, the not so elephant in the room anymore is obviously women's reproductive rights and their ability to have autonomy over their own bodies. Uh, so that doctors and women can make decisions about their bodies. And so I do think that it's been very clear that the GOP made it um, plain in writing. And they talk about it all the time that one of their first orders of business is to go ahead and restrict abortion in North Carolina. And so I think that that is definitely something regardless of this cycle and because of the Dobbs decision this year and every year after is going to be a situation in which we are always dealing with where North Carolina and this country fall with choice. So what can, I mean, what can be done about these issues? I mean, you said that you you submitted something to try to help people get down payment assistance right. um, and that sort of thing. What can be done to fix the, the issues that you've just um, listed here? Yeah, another idea um, that myself and Senator Garrett, a um, senator out of Guilford filed is, you know, we've seen a lot of these private equity groups come in and buy houses in neighborhoods and then rent them out at astronomically rates, right? I mean, they just, I heard um, recently that someone had contacted our office and said that their rent went up $600 in a month, right? And they said, oh, from here on out, $600 more. Vast majority of people can't pay more than $600 in their budget, right? On top of the groceries and on top of how expensive gas was this summer. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, so one of the things that we propose, because these private equity groups are coming in, and we saw this, especially in Wake County, when they can come in and pay cash offers, right? And they don't have to go, and we don't have a cap on earnest money in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So some states, they actually, you get your earnest money back, but we in North Carolina do not have that. So what we propose is a cap of a certain percentage on the earnest money that someone can be can, can put down. 
Because what we found time and time again is that you hear home buyers, especially people who are trying to get into their first home, say, well, I only have $10,000 and I can't very well risk losing that all if I get in a bidding war, right? Or right. something happens when you go through the process of you know, doing your inspection and then you find out it's going to be too expensive for you to be able to fix, you're at $10,000. Mm-hmm. And so what we did um, is we put a cap on the earnest money so that it allows for people who want to sell their homes to actual people and not private equity firms to be able to get in so that the private equity firms, many of them came in and said, $40,000, here's your earnest money. And you can't blame a home buyer. I mean, a home seller, right? I was going to say, I mean, it's hard to try to be, you know, the fair person when you would be earning so much more money on your, on the sale of your house. So it's hard to do that on a, you know, a house at a time kind of basis that so right. yeah exactly so if the seller if all buyers were capped at a certain amount that they could put down for earnest money then that means that you could have a choice as a as a seller of a home to give that to a you know for a new newlyweds who are trying to get into their first home versus selling it to the private equity company, which would have been able to give you $50,000 because again, they have it and then they turn around and then rent it for a lot more. And so I think that's one of the challenges that we have and you have to be really creative about how we're going to address those. And so, you know, those two bills are are two ways. Is it going to solve the problem? No, but I do think that it goes, at least it it helps uh, to some extent because right now we're not doing much of anything with regards Mm -hmm. to the cost of housing. Um, You know, love the free market. We need that. We need people to be able to sell their houses for what they can get, but we also need to make sure that we are not allowing private equity and other firms and other agencies to come in, right, groups to come in and then um, have unequal competition, frankly, with people who are just trying to get into home ownership in that regard. Um, So that's what I would say with regards to housing in particular and just the cost of living here in Wake County. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just as a layperson, I can say that sometimes it just feels like a problem is so big. How do you even fix it? Right. So yeah. it's it's good to hear somebody who like knows the processes and knows that there are things can, that can be done because sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what to do, you know? Right. What are so, you doing? You want to throw your hands up because they are huge yeah. problems, right? It's mm-hmm. like inflation. It's not going to get fixed overnight. But at no. the end of the day, that doesn't mean that we take our ball and go home and say, oh, it's too hard to solve. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, so is going to space. So is ending <laughs> slavery. But I'm pretty sure that people would say, that space was worth it and yeah. ending slavery was worth it. Right. Like yeah. that's just, those are some of the things that we have to accept uh, if we're going to be fearless and help with a lot of the problems that we're going to face. And these aren't the only mm-hmm. problems that we're going to face. Yeah. So you just have to be bold. And yeah. Confident and just hope for the best and know that you can handle the worst, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you, um, what can you do about women's reproductive rights? That was the third thing you said. Yeah. So right now in North Carolina, because of the Democrats in the General Assembly were able to sustain the governor's veto, um, since the supermajority uh, was ushered in in uh, 2010, we have seen an attempt to roll back abortion rights and access and reproductive health in North Carolina. And since breaking the supermajority in 2018, the governor has been able to sustain, I mean, we've been able to sustain the governor's veto on many really horrible pieces of legislation, but in particular legislation, which, which would restrict abortion. And so 
one of the most important, and I don't think most people know this, is that we are two votes away in the Senate from returning to a supermajority. And we are three votes away in the House from returning to a supermajority. And what that means is beyond just reproductive rights. And we, you know, I don't know if anybody was around. We have a we we have an area where lots of people are moving into North Carolina, um, and so we are growing by the thousands of of newly registered voters in the district, which is great. So a lot of people don't remember HB two and the bathroom bill that gave us so much press. I remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was during a supermajority, and it caused a lot. Um, it caused a lot of damage to the reputation of our state. And businesses left and certain businesses did not come. And we lost the rights to certain, you know, industries and sporting events, et cetera. And so it isn't at a time in which people are extremely worried about our democracy in general. They're also worried about constitutional protection protections that have been rolled back. Right? Women have not in, in our lifetime for the last 50 years, women have known that they have bodily autonomy and, People are really afraid for their daughters, for themselves, right? This isn't just a women's issue. Um, it's a it's a human issue. And so I think we need to make sure that enough Democrats come back to sustain the governor's veto. There's been a lot of hand-wringing and a whole lot of people, uh, you know, especially uh, Republicans at this time, trying to thread the needle with regards to where they stand on choice. Many saying that they won't vote for a certain bill. But what people really need to understand is that the people can keep their word about not voting for a bill. The real question is, are you going to sustain the governor's veto? And since I've been in the legislature for four years, they have not sustained, not a single Republican has sustained a veto by the governor. I don't think on any bill, but definitely not on choice. Okay. Can you, can you describe a little bit more specifically, like for the layest of lay people, what that means? So right now in a supermajority in North Carolina would mean that the uh, party in charge right now, which is Republicans, would have enough votes to be able to override any veto that the governor, of course, passed. Right. So a bill passes through the House, passes through the Senate, goes to the governor's desk. He can sign it. He cannot sign it and becomes law or he can veto it. The governor has vetoed all of the restrictive abortion bills since he has been um, in office and has been elected as our governor. We have not, he's not been able to have any of his vetoes sustained until 2019 when there were enough Democrats to be able to override the governor's veto. So if he wants to veto a bill, he vetoes it and then it comes up for an override vote. So the Republicans can say, we're going to override the governor's veto and we have to all be in our seats and we have to be ready to vote it up or to vote it down. And so right now we can sustain the governor's veto, which means that the law does not, that the the bill does not become law. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been able to do that for four years. However, if we lose two seats in the Senate and three in the House, it doesn't matter if the governor vetoes any legislation. It will Mm -hmm. still pass because effectively they'll be able to override his vetoes because there won't be enough votes in the Senate or in the House, depending on what the numbers shake out this November to go ahead and override, uh, I mean, to sustain his veto. And I think it's important to point out the Republican piece because you don't have to vote for a bill for it to pass. There'll be a majority of people and somebody can just abstain or even vote no. But really what matters is if the governor vetoes a bill, we have to have Republicans willing to, to vote against their party, right? To vote against their party and sustain the governor's veto. And what we know is that that has not happened with any bills regarding abortion since the governor has taken office. Oh, okay. Right? 
So in the last four years where he's been able to actually sustain or that we've been able to sustain vetoes as Democrats for legislation that he's vetoed, Republicans have not joined us, joined us on any overrides for abortion legislation. So I think people just need to be aware of what's at stake. You could say that you're not going to vote for something. The reality and the better question is, so are you going to sustain the governor's veto? And unfortunately, we haven't gotten real clear answers from mm-hmm. our colleagues. So I know that um, there's kind of some gray area, a lot of um, people who are against against abortions in general have some wiggle room in their minds for victims of crimes or when the mother's life is in danger or when the fetus is not viable. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you believe um, that a a 19-year-old young woman um, who is eight or nine weeks pregnant, do you feel like she should be able to get an abortion just if she wants one. Yes. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm proud to stand with 20, with 21 other Democrats in the North Carolina Senate that filed a bill to codify Roe and Casey. Uh, and what that means is that prior to, and my position is that prior to 20 weeks, there should not be restrictions with regards to abortion. And after 20 weeks, um, as the holdings in Casey and Roe stated, that the court, that I mean that states can put restrictions, reasonable restrictions in place with regards to um, care and abortion care and abortion access. I think one of the things that many people don't even think about are the unintended consequences of just banning abortion or putting so many restrictions in place, because many women have suffered a miscarriage, wanting a child, bringing a child into this world, hoping that they could, of course, become a parent, realizing I have, right, I have, and realizing that depending on how far along you are, that you have an unviable, like your baby's going to be unviable. They're going to die shortly after they're born. They have a congenital mm-hmm. defect that is, is, not, um, is not going to survive. They may die in utero. And by putting so many, you can't legislate for all the unintended consequences, but by banning abortion at a certain, you know, at, at just saying, okay, it's 13 weeks. It means that women who miscarry in the second trimester can't get an abortion, right? If their fetus, for instance, or, you know, or if they're at 23 weeks, find out that there's some congenital issue and that the child's not going to survive. If we have a ban at 20 weeks, what's the exception, right? We can talk about some of the other extreme states that just ban abortion altogether and you have an atopic pregnancy that a woman can die from. If a woman doesn't have a DNC, also known as an abortion for those who don't know what a DNC is, then she can get sepsis. She can get sick. She can die. And we've seen in states time and time again now, since the Dobbs decision came down, that some women have to go to court to prove that it was a legitimate miscarriage. Can you imagine? You you miscarry. You wanted to have a child, but before you can even get a medical procedure, you have to either hire an attorney or figure out how to get to a courthouse to go and tell something so personal to what's happened to you to a stranger who is not a doctor to go ahead and prove that you really did want to go ahead and have a baby, but you had a miscarriage before you can get the medical treatment that's absolutely necessary to save your life or to be able to, of course, increase your chances of being able to get pregnant again and have a healthy pregnancy. And so a lot of people are like, oh, you know, let's talk about this one issue. But I don't think we talk enough about the human issue of whether it's a mother's life, whether or not it's you know, an, um, an unviable pregnancy and time and time again, 
women are going to suffer because of the decisions that are going to be made by people who should not be in the position to make them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we should be we should trust our our medical professionals and our doctors, and those decisions need to be made between a woman and her doctor. Um, and unfortunately, we've seen across this country how how um, really problematic that's become. So what kinds of things have you found out um, are issues that voters care about when you've been out door knocking and and talking to constituents and that sort of thing? What are what do people care about? Um, I'm assuming home afford home affordability, inflation and women's rights, just like you said. Anything else that you're hearing? Probably, Probably traffic. Uh, <laughs> Probably traffic. In our area, definitely traffic. They're like 540. Yeah. And why do we have to pay for that toll when no one in North Raleigh has to pay for that toll? It is very unfair. I'm like, I think that's a good question. It's a very good (laughs) question. And unfortunately, it was baked in years ago for us to get this expansion. Um, So you definitely hear about congestion and about the problems with regards to a commute that may have only been 15 minutes now being 35 or 40 because of just the vast growth that we have. So we have to be really smart and work with our towns and have um, really good relationships with them. One of the things I don't think people actually realize or think about is also our water usage. And we are in a position in which we are trying to uh, broker uh, broker deals. And we have um, a, we already have um, a program and a relationship with uh, Chatham County uh, to go ahead and make sure that we have enough water in this area. Because again, when you go from a thousand people in Holly Springs in 1991 to 45,000, I think last time I checked. Yeah. It's a very quick pace of growth and it's not slowing down. And so I think that we have to really make sure that we're, we are growing in a sustainable way. Um, but that means that we have to work with our partners at the local level, at the county level, um, and then also subsequently our partnerships with the governor's office. There has been a lot of money that's gone into water and sewer and infrastructure, which is great because we need uh, no one cares about wastewater management treatment until you realize that, oh, right, it actually went south and now all of a sudden it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, you don't have clean water. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's nothing exciting to talk about, but it's definitely something that's necessary. Um, that's not necessarily what voters are talking about. I just know that's going down the line. I think mm-hmm. the other biggest issue when I talk to people at the doors is that we are a district that has a lot of families with, with of course, school age kids. And while the majority of people that live in Wake County and in Southern Wake County do not have children in our school systems, they are the kids that are going to be educated in our school system in order to take care of all of us when we are older. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are just frustrated about the fact that they, that we have a school bus shortage, a school bus driver shortage. Um, The Wake County School Board has done a really great job at raising pay and giving bonuses. But again, I think what we ask of our teachers, what we're asking of a lot of our non-certified, um, you know, at staff in our schools and subsequently teachers is just asking them to do more than they've ever done. Mm-hmm. And frankly, with less resources. And so I hear that they want an amazing school system, which we have in Wake County. And thank God we've had the county commission uh, go ahead and continue to fund schools above and beyond what we do. But we have to change that formula and we have to work at the state level in order to invest more money in education. Mm-hmm. So a little bit earlier, you mentioned um, the district, you know, just the geography and the the population and, you know, how so many people are moving in and all of that kind of thing. Um, so many of the district lines were, re- were redrawn. So I no longer live in the same um, house district I used to live in. I now vote for different 
uh, Board of Education members than I used to. Um, did District 17 change? Yes, it did. So we have, um, so a lot of carry and more of Apex was removed from the district. Mm-hmm. So it has, so it's basically Fuquay and a little bit, a little bit of Garner. Mm-hmm. So it's all of Fuquay, all of Apex. I mean, 40%, I think of Apex, all of Holly Springs, and then uh, Willow Spring, Anger, part of Wake County, and then Garner. So there's mm-hmm. a small portion of a little bit of Raleigh, a little bit of Cary, but they are like one precinct mm-hmm. or a couple of precincts. Mm-hmm. It's not the vast majority of the district. Um, so it shrank based on the population growth um, that we have seen in this area. Well, it's going to get bigger once all of these, you know, Amgen and Fujifilm and mm-hmm. who knows what else is going to open up here. I don't I don't know how um, the the growth and water quality and the schools and all of that stuff are going to ramp up to accommodate yeah. all of that stuff. That's going to be such a challenge. Yeah, I was actually meeting with some of the, so the life science industry is, is of course huge and uh, in North Carolina, we I um, was talking to somebody recently and they're like, yeah, you know, it's like one of the second most, Holly Springs is one of the second most popular places for all of these life science industries to actually relocate. I'm like, well, we like living here. Of course mm-hmm. it is. But, um, and selfishly, I'm like, I want my kids to go into life sciences so that they can have a job and live in Holly Springs near me for the rest of their lives. Yeah, of course. Um, you want them to live next door, right? Yes, exactly. I, I was like, <laughs> I mean, my nine-year-old said, I'll live next door to you. I was like, can I get that in a contract in writing. right now? Right now. I'll notarize mm-hmm. your signature. Um, yeah. So I think, hey, I'm a notary. I can I can notarize that for you. Just keep that in mind. That way, that way, you don't get in trouble for notarizing something you have um, an interest in. That is so true. You're like, hey, honey, I'm just gonna go ahead. Karen's lovely, and you can just go over there. She's a lot of fun. And remember when you said you live next to me? Um, And so I just like I I I love the idea that we have the opportunity for people to have really great paying jobs and these actual life science companies that are coming in they have you don't always have to have like you don't have to phd or college education there are some six-figure jobs that do not that require an associate's degree that Mm -hmm. wake tech is amazing and provides a lot of the um a lot of the education for and so with the life science industry though what i um, hear from them and they've been a really good partner and actually talking to the governor's office and myself about trying to make sure that we're keeping up with the weight, with the water, right? Because we did, because they have to, of course, when they're producing the drugs and the vaccines that we need, we need to make sure that we have a high uh, quality control on water. And so they need to make sure that they're doing their due diligence um, to make, to make sure we have the resources that we need. So they've actually had a great partnership with some of our towns the governor's office, et cetera. And so they um, are really good stewards and want to be good stewards. And of course they're employees and they are living here. And so they mm-hmm. know that they want to uh, be just as, um, just as invested as we are for the water that we drink here. And so we've been fortunate mm-hmm. enough to bring companies in to actually attract um, them here, but then also just really have a lot of personal value that they, they feel like um, as a company coming to the area, they see themselves as a part of the fabric and the footprint instead of it just being a one-off that they can Mm -hmm. just use our resources and then run. Yeah. Well, it's not cheap to build that ginormous Fujifilm facility or the big Amgen one. So I would hope that they would not just run, but Holly Springs is a, is a good enough place that I think they'll, I think that they'll decide to stay and be happy about where they chose and all of that kind of thing. But I swear you can't go a month in this state without hearing about some big deal that's just been signed, you know, a battery plant in Chatham County or, you know, 
just everywhere. It's so much growth and it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's great, but if you don't handle it right, it could go south really fast. So yeah, I, someone uh, recently said, I was talking to a couple of uh, business corporation folks and they're like, we like North Carolina because it's the good Texas. We have all of the benefits Right. Of like tax policies and a great community college system, which most of the companies say, so the tax policy that makes it so exciting to actually relocate here. It's the fact that we have a community college system that is um, fantastic and that can train the people that they need for some of these jobs. And so they say we have all of the great things. We got the mountains, you got the coast. Um, you've got a great university system on top of the community college system. The, the winners aren't that bad. It's all... Right. The yeah. winners, right? They're mild, right? And mm-hmm. then they're like, but we don't have all the social issues that, mm-hmm. you, that companies don't want to be involved with and that make it really difficult. Um, and so, you know, if we want to continue to stay the good Texas, um, mm-hmm. then we need to make sure that we are pushing <laughs> policies, uh, making sure that we're, do- we're we're passing legislation that's actually going to help all of North Carolina. Because we all benefit from having these companies come here, um, bring yeah. their dollars, bring their great paying jobs to make sure that we're in a position where people can, again, live where they work and work where they live. And we have a good um, electrical grid, which yes. is also <laughs> also the reason why. I, I will, um, my, my friend Rick Grant uh, works at Duke Energy. I'll be able to let him know that, that Sydney Batch appreciates the work the that he does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, right. he is in charge of, he's in charge of all of it. I, I only, I can only assume so I'll, I'll let him know that you appreciate his work. Yes, I like going, I like coming home and actually being able to have lights that work and that you don't have to be uh, worried about what's going to happen with the power grid and that you just have wide, you know, Oh, blackouts for this neighborhood today and blackouts for that. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to, I'm going to push you um, to come down on one side or another of this too. So if the power went down for weeks and I'm not even going to say in the middle of February because it would probably not be that bad because it would probably be like 50 or 60 here. But let's say in August, if the power went out and nobody had air conditioning, would you go on a trip to Cancun just to get out of here? Right. But no, we would. Um, well, I love Cancun. I do think it's important that when you actually elected official, you might want to do your job and stay yeah. in place. You know. It's the little things. It's, it's the, the little things. Just the little things. And the command center is interestingly enough in Wake County. So I've seen that on WRAL. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. good it's, stuff. It's a it's, um, it's a great place to be if there's an emergency for sure. That's true. That's true. So what do you think? This is my last question. So what do you think um that uh people would be surprised if they knew about you? Hmm. Probably that I love to sew and make baby quilts uh, for people in baby clothes. And that I, um, in order to de-stress, I put jigsaw puzzles together while watching like shows like Charmed and okay. Y50. That's probably... Uh, <laughs> y50. Mm. <laughs> yep. That's it. I was like, if I can't go to the beach, I might as well look at a beautiful place that films in Hawaii. Well, see- Listen, you don't get sand all over your clothes if you just watch it. That's so true. And I can put my so, hands in and act like I'm already there. There you go. No big deal. <laughs> just don't wash your hair. Do and then it would be just like being at the beach because my hair always looks crazy at the beach. So was there anything else you wanted to make sure voters know before um, they go to the polls, 
either in early voting or on election day in November? What I would say is that there are a lot of important races on the ballot and it's a very long ballot. And so I Mm -hmm. encourage people to actually vote from the back of the ballot and then all the way to the front, right? People go in to to vote for U.S. Senate race, which is going to be the top Mm -hmm. of our ballot. But Mm -hmm. a lot of people drop off. 20% of uh, voters will drop off after the top race. And so we can't afford to have people, like if you got there that long, Right? It's like waiting in a line at, mm-hmm. at Disney. If you got yeah. there, you don't get off the ride halfway through. So if yeah. you got to the ballot box, I'm just asking that you start at the back. We have two really important bonds for community college. And I've never school. heard to start from the back. That's a good, that's yeah. good. So yeah. flip it over, start from the back. Um, it's not going to take you that much longer. And yeah. make sure that every single person who's willing to put their name on the ballot at least gets, um, you know, a, a a circle um, filled in for one or the other, whatever your position is. Um, You know, there's a lot of power in voting. I know a lot of people feel hopeless, but that's the Mm -hmm. one thing that you can do in order to at least use what power that you have uh, and what our constitution has given you to try and change the trajectory of your life, your children's life, et cetera. And so Mm -hmm. I just ask everybody to vote. Early voting starts on October 20th and it goes all the way to November 5th. Uh, and so we have three polling sites actually in this district uh, this year. And so there's one in Apex, one in Holly Springs, and also one in uh, Fuquay. And so I think that in that regard, people will have the ability to go in and, and vote early um, and not have to go on election day if mm-hmm. you don't want to. Because most of us. Yeah, that's for the birds. Mm-mm. Yeah, I was like, and we're going to be at home with our kids cause it, because it's a holiday. So that's right. If you want to stand in line with your kids and be part of democracy, hey, by all means, they, mm-hmm. they certainly need to see that as well. Um, but I do think it's really important for people to realize that a lot of the races, there's a lot of drop off. And so I just encourage everybody to. Well, and and the down ballot races affect your daily life way more than the big ones do oftentimes. So they're, yeah. they're just as important. And as you know, as being on this show before, you know that that's why I started this podcast so people could hear from you know, the local folks who are running for offices that don't get covered on, you know, the national news or on, you know, the big uh, local stations. So I'm yeah, happy. Absolutely. I'm happy that um, that I'm able to talk to so many. Not everybody has responded to me, but I'm, I'm getting a good amount. So a lot really? of people will be able to hear from a lot of uh, candidates this time. Well, you are certainly generous in that because you it's not like this is your full-time job uh, yep. where all the money rains down upon you. This is something yep. that you're doing and it's a public service. And so I thank you for doing it because you're right. And then like people don't realize how much money the county commission has in their budget. And the fact that our, if you like the way that our schools are being funded, well, you should thank your county commissioners for the mm-hmm. amount of money that they put in school above and beyond what we get at the state level. Yep. Same thing with regards to local races. I mean, it's all, we in a lot of ways, the federal government, it's a sieve. And then we at the state level decide how we're gonna of course dole out those dollars mm-hmm. so um, i really appreciate you highlighting races that don't get as much attention we can't raise as much money as the u.s senate races yep. and we can't be everywhere and can't be everything to everyone and so i really appreciate you elevating our voices and our positions and giving everybody a fair opportunity that's very nice thank you all right cool. thanks again for talking to me you go try to salvage the rest of your night maybe so <laughs> so a baby quilt and watch some television Thank you very much. I got something to do at the Court of Appeals. So oh. I will not be doing any of that until Bummer. after I am done. You're I'm like, so sorry. Something, 
the misnomer that like, this is my job, right? I was like, oh, guys, no, I actually have to work for a living at my law firm where I am you know, like, oh, where were you today? Um, I was in a trial or, oh, I have something to do at the Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court. So it's just, again, I guess full circle, going back to the 30 balls in the air, half of them are on fire. That That's what really doing. pulling for a charmed night for you or a 5-0 night, but all right, do your thing. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me. It's okay. good talking to you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. In the coming weeks, you'll hear from Board of Education candidates for Districts 5 and 8 and North Carolina House Districts 36 and 37. It's important to know that all of the candidates for those districts were invited to participate, but not all of them did. Stay well, friends. <music> <laughs>